Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts, and I am here today with my wonderful co-host, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you today? Great. Thank you, Wendy. How are you? I just live in a dream. I'm telling you, every day. That's right. <laughs> Anytime you can record a podcast, you're living your dream. Hey, every dream. Yes, May not yes. be your dream, somebody's dream. Well, today we are have like we have another what I I think is a super fun topic. It is a day in the life of a personal trainer. And I know Ken, you and I we often get asked like, "Oh my gosh, how is it to be a trainer?" and tell me tell me what you went through to become a trainer and it must be so fun because, you know, I, you get to wear random workout clothes every day and you get to just talk to people and you get to throw up weights and work out like 24/7. And it's really not like that. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 a lot harder than. Well, I don't say it's it's harder. It, there's there are more steps than people realize when it comes to uh, being a being a personal trainer. And like you like you just said, Wendy, <laughs> that's one of those things. I have friends and families. Hey, you just you just want to train because you can't stand being behind a desk, and uh, you, you don't want to wear business professional clothes, which is absolutely true. Um, but it's also, you, you could just throw in a pair of shorts and, and a t-shirt again, as long as everything doesn't look like you pulled it off of the, the laundry pile that morning. Um, I mean, and attire and the, the ease and convenience of what you're going to wear is one thing, but there is a lot more to that goes into being a personal trainer than a lot of people realize. And, you know, you and I have come across a lot of personal trainers out there, especially in our workshops, to where they, you know, they say, I, I got certified, uh, now what do I do, right? And that's, that's, I get asked that question every time, now what do I do? And hopefully we can shed some light today on what it actually takes to be a personal trainer. Very good point. And, uh, and I get that same question very often as well. You know, like, uh, you know, what do I, I got my certification. I have, I'm switching careers. I get that often. And, you know, and now I, I really don't know what to do. And one thing that I wanted to pinpoint right up front was when you're thinking about becoming a personal trainer, there are some ups and downs and there's a lot of trial and error, but you've got to be very crystal clear of what your path is because you are building a business. Personal training is a business. And I wanted to, to, to really emphasize that because when you think of other businesses, you have a business plan. And I think that's one thing that we really want to emphasize mm -hmm. is before you right. decide that you want to be a personal trainer, you really have to think about what is it that you're passionate about? Why do you want to switch careers or even get into the industry if if this is you know your first career and this is truly what you want to do? And then you know we're going to talk about some of this stuff too. Is how are you going to be different than any other trainer that's out there? And um, you know I think those are questions that if you have a crystal clear answer for, then this is definitely it's such a rewarding career to be in. Like I love being a trainer, and there are so many positives. However, there is a lot that you have to think about, um, good and bad, in order to be successful. Right. And, you know, the thing is, you know, the thing about becoming a personal trainer, the, the barrier to entry is really low. Uh, I don't say it's really low. <laughs> you know, you're not just going to, you know, send out a, a check and then they send you a certificate. Although there are those things out there as far as certifications go, unfortunately. But, you know, the, the first barrier um, that you need to, 
to actually get over is passing a certification exam. And, and one of the things that, um, that we need to look at is if, like, like you mentioned, Wendy, if someone's coming over from a different career or a different uh, set of skills, like, I mean, I mean, you've, you've come across it. I've come across accountants, engineers, um, you know, people along those lines, you know, that, that aren't in the human movement or the biological sciences. And now they have to learn anatomy, physiology, human movement science. And then with the optimum performance training model, we have to talk about the assessments and program design. And of course, the, the aspect of behavior change. So those are skills that are genres of information that personal trainers have to learn and understand as a professional, I mean, it's it's practical information, but to pass the test, at least with what we teach at the National Academy of Sports Medicine, these are the things that you have to know in order to pass the test. So for when I say low barrier entry, um, it's not like you have to go to a four-year university, at least here in the United States, you can't go to a four, you don't have to go to a four-year university, get your degree in exercise science related field, and then become a personal trainer. I know a lot of other countries have different, um, uh, levels of education that you need to become a personal trainer, uh, licensing and things like that. But here in the United States, that's you you take get the information, pass the test, and now you're a personal trainer. So um, that's the first thing you gotta go through. And and um, you know, from an education standpoint, for a lot of people, that's more challenging uh, than others. Yeah, and, and and that's just it. When you go through an accredited program such as NASM, I mean, it does take some time. You can't just say, okay, I'm just going to read this book and I'm going to understand it. There is a lot of practical yeah. application that you must do. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that you need to plan for and you need to practice, 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 just like with anything else that you do in this world. Like you can't just say, okay, I'm going to be able to read this, this information and, and then I'm going to be able to look at somebody's movement. I'm going to be able to design the perfect program. It really takes right. a lot of time, a lot of education and a lot of money. And, you know, once you do become certified, you have to maintain your continued education. You want to continue to stay up on, you know, the things that are out there, whether it's new modalities or tools or, or, or people that are bringing new things into the industry, you have to see, does that resonate with what you're doing with your clients? Is it going to better you? Is it something that you can implement into your programming? And so to your point, Ken, I mean, you know, yes, it's great that so many people are coming over. Um, they're switching careers because they do see the value in it. Um, but, you know, one thing that I wanted to, to touch on next, too, is, you know, I kind of mentioned it jokingly in the very beginning that people are like, oh, but you get to be in the gym. And I mean, and you kind of said it best. I mean, you said yes, all day, every day. And that is true. And so, you know, when you get to go and you're not in the training, like a personal trainer, and you're not working in a gym 24 seven, you get to go to the gym to kind of, you know, take your mind off of things, kind of unload and actually do things to benefit your overall health or performance or whatever you're in the gym to go and do. When you're a trainer, you're in the gym, that is your place of business. And so oftentimes people forget that, you know, when you're working all day, every day with clients and you have to put in the hours, one of the last thing you want to do is stay at the gym to do your own workout and you yeah. need to practice what you preach. And so, you know, it's really it's one of those things, too, that, you know, it's just if you're thinking about what you do and all of a sudden it's like, OK, now in, in order to make yourself feel better, you got to stay at your job and then stay another hour or two when you just want to go into it, have different scene, like a different scenery. 
I know what I ended up doing is I switched gyms. I would work out, you know, in one gym, but then I would work in another. And it was, I just needed to, to a change. And, and, you know, so you want to also keep that in mind as well. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I did this, you know, it's funny. I did the same thing. And at that point in time, I was working with um, a gym chain in San Diego. And what I would do is I would train my clients in the morning, train my clients in the evening when you talk about long days, you know, I had four, four clients in the morning, four clients in the evening, but in the middle of the day, instead of working out at my facility, because I was also a, you know, a manager at the time, the, uh, you know, if there were any problems or questions, they'd obviously go to me. So I would never have any reprieve um, from getting questions from the sales staff, from personal trainers, from, or from the members on the, on the workout floor. So from that standpoint, I, I never had a quiet moment, well, moment to myself to where I can actually get a workout. So I had to go down the street, uh, <laughs> you know, two exits down and get my workout there where I, all, the only person I knew were, was the fitness manager down there. So we would chop it up, but you know, I'd get my workout and then go back because when I was in my facility, there's never a moment of, of, of quiet to where I can actually have the workout that I wanted. So, you know, from that vantage point, yeah, you're, you're in there all, it feels like 24-7, you know, during <laughs> yes. the work, right? but, uh, but, you know, you, you, you have to, you can't lose yourself in your job, which happens a lot with personal trainers. So that's where burnout starts to come into play. But, you know, it's, it's something that you see quite a bit, unfortunately, more often than not. Yes. Yeah, so those of you guys that are joining us, I'm Wendy Batts. I'm here with Ken Miller, and we're talking about a day in the life of a personal trainer. And Ken, you know, burnout is, is, is huge. And I'm actually going to share a personal story about that. Um, you know, I ended up, I was, I started my career working in a physical therapy facility and I was very, very fortunate to work with a lot of professional athletes and sports teams. And I really built my business that way. However, I didn't want to travel 24 seven and doing some of the stuff that I was doing. I wanted to kind of do more of my own quote personal training. And so I started at a facility um, and I had set specific hours and days and this is what I wanted to work and when I wanted to work, you know, um, these are the hours and the days that I wanted to work. And I had that in my mind based on how much I wanted to personally make in a year. And that's how I came up with what I thought was going to be best for me. However, you know, you have to think, well, you have a plan, but then you have to think of what's truly realistic. And as a trainer, the, the, the busiest times are early in the morning, especially if you're working with business professionals that have to be at, you know, at their home office at eight o'clock um, in the morning. And so I ended up, you know, I wanted to start working at like six or seven and I ended up starting to take, you know, six o'clock clients, five o'clock clients. Um, five was as early as I was go, I would go, yeah. but then I was like, okay, if I do that, I can work until 10. Well, then you got to think about the moms that want to come in and they drop their kids off at school and they wanted the eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock hours. And then you're like, okay, well, then they had a friend that's like, you know what? She hurt her back and I really think you can help. But the only time she can come and see you is at 11 or 12. And then you're like, you know, I had a really hard time saying no. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to give myself a chance for lunch. Well, then, you know, I started back up at, let's say, three. And the same thing would happen. Like you would get the the professionals that would want to come in after they got off of their, you know, off of work. And, you know, so you think three, four, five, six, and then you want to be done. Well, of course, then it was like, but I don't get off of work until six and I can't get to you till seven. Oh, well, listen, I've got this buddy. Can we work out at eight o'clock? Because that's when my kids go to bed and the only time. And so before I knew it, I had such a hard time saying no 
that I would start at five in the morning, I would end up losing my own lunch hour or my workout hour. And I would end up working until eight or nine o'clock at night mm -hmm. because I had a really hard time saying no and realizing that yeah. if I didn't take care of myself, that I was going to be a big trouble. Now, financially, that was fantastic. However, right. when you think about realistically and on a health standpoint, yeah. it's not good to work that many hours every single day. Plus, keep in mind, Ken, and I know you, you and I were talking about this. When you think about holidays, like everyone's like, oh, okay, you know, you're going to take my kids are out of school and I'm going to go for spring break. Well, okay, if the people that don't go for spring break and they're still home, but, you know, and, and now their kids want to come in and work out and all this other kind of stuff for Christmas breaks. When people are on vacation, that is the time they want to come into the gym because they have it where there's not an in, like work interfering with what they're doing. Yeah. So for you to think that you're going to have a vacation the same time everybody else is having a vacation without the guilt. You know, we just want to throw that out there that 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 doesn't happen very easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it, and it definitely happens. And, and Wendy, it, it's funny how we are. Our, our, our full-time personal training lives actually ran in, in, in parallel because I'd have that too. Business professionals in the morning, you know, 5 a.m. to, you know, 8. And then after the, after the kids were dropped off, I'd get those parents that would come in after the kids were dropped off. And then the occasional lunchtime crowd uh, would start coming in and working out with them. And then uh, high school, um, high school, junior high kids would come in after 3 o'clock, 3.30. And then, of course, like you mentioned, those, you know, business professionals that came in after work. And then, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a grind. And a lot of people don't realize that when trainers are in there, um, they, they can be in there for eight, nine, ten hours sometimes. And when as a member of a gym or a member of a facility, you see your trainer, you see them when you're when you're working out. But a lot of times people don't realize that trainer has been there like three hours before that. And then another three or four hours after that interaction. So um, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of clients to be worked with, especially if you're a really good trainer, you, you're going to be one of the busiest guys in the gym. If, if you're, if you're really good, you know, and, and, that's what happens with, that's why I was so busy, I guess. I <laughs> well, I guess me too, right? Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're yeah. going to mark it up to that, but. <laughs> or you know, we're and, the only and, career trainers in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're the only ones they hired for like, you know, ever, um, because we just did it all. But, but as I mentioned before, it is a business. And I think, you know, oftentimes, you know, when you're working with a client, you know, trainers really do want to think about how are you going to get a client to a goal? And so we often say that your body starts to adapt every four to six weeks. And so that's when you really want to start reassessing and changing programming. However, with my clients and the way that I was building my business, they liked the variety. So every time they came into the gym, we still followed a certain, you know, kind of layout. So we had these specific sets, reps, exercises that were going to be in their best interest. Um, de depending on where they were with that, within there's this, you know, phases, a range of a model that we use with NASM. And so keeping that in mind, you have to really program and think ahead. And so for me, I wasn't one of those trainers that would walk into the gym and be like, I'm going to wing it every day for, you know, mm -hmm. eight to 10 clients that I saw, I would have a plan. And so not only were you working or you can, if you're busy working incredible hours, you know, building, you know, actually getting paid because you're working with a client. 
But you have to think too, when you go home at night, you have to sit down and plan a program for each client that's coming in the next time you see them. And so you want to take notes on, on things while you're taking them through your, your program that you had developed for them that day. There may be some changes that you need to make based on you know, an injury that happened over a weekend that, you know, they were running with their kids playing soccer and they twisted their ankle. And so you may have had maybe had to change something on the fly. However, it was also going to change what you may do with them later on. And so it's not like you build one workout and that's the workout that you're going to do. Hopefully the workout of the day. You don't want that because every program should be individualized with that client's goals in mind um, for safety reasons but also to show that you are successful. Like if you want to be successful, your success story is in your client and how they look, feel, and move at the end of the day. Right. And, and again, when, you, when you're talking about program design, and this is where the, the rubber meets the road when it comes to having things laid out for your clients. And, and especially when you are talking to a prospective client and you're telling somebody how you can help them and or you're trying to relay okay well here's the roadmap and as a good personal trainer you have an idea you you, you can start putting together a plan in your initial discussions on okay here's where you are today here are your goals way down here here's where you are today and here's how we're going to fill in the gap here's we're going to we're going to start off with looking at what you need to do better first to move move better, more efficiently, and, and reduce the risk of, of injury as best we can to make you more efficient as a, as a mover. And then we can start to apply load, either increasing the volume, starting to increase intensity, again, based on your um, your client's goals. And then that will lead you ultimately to, to the end of where they want to be when it comes to either looking better, feeling better, performing better. And as a personal trainer, these are the things that you half um, today we're, we are talking about the day in the life of a personal trainer with me ken miller and miss wendy bats so when it when it comes to being able to educate your client we need to be adaptable right because things change someone sprained their ankle and they can't do anything with their lower body but they still want to come and work out so today maybe we do something more core or upper body oriented but we're still trying to lay true to our initial plan and again, that's what your education and your experience will help guide you um, as a personal trainer as far as helping your clients um, achieve their goals. So, yeah, the days of the let's let's do the, the, the exercise of the day or you saw, you know, I saw a cool exercise on YouTube. I am definitely going to work that in today. <laughs> right. And, you know, we, we can't do that because, you know, those types of trainers are easy to spot. Now, if you can build a new exercise in with logic and rationale then go ahead and do it. I mean, you, you do want to have some flexibility. You do want to be, um, you know, adaptive towards what the client wants to do too. But overall, I think, um, yeah, having a plan and being able to stick to the plan and being able to rationalize when you need to change that plan is what really separates the good trainers from the not so good trainers. You bring up a great point. And, and there are good trainers out there that, um, you know, really want to to change the world and change everyone. You know, that was me. I wanted to fix everyone that came in because everyone that came to me seemed to like have a problem, something hurt or something. You know, they weren't getting faster. They didn't get bigger. So when I say that it came with a problem, that was a problem to them that they really wanted to change their, you know, their appearance or, or how they felt. And so, you know, on top of of having a plan and being able to design programs, you know, it's oftentimes, you know, one of the things that if you're not really good at sales, 
it's hard at, for trainers to say, okay, based on your assessment and based on your goals, you know, it's going to take me approximately, you know, two to three months based on what I'm seeing on, on your compensations and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I mean, granted, you're going to make it obviously less, you know, techie to your, to your, um, to your client. However, then you have to ask for a sale. You're going to say, okay, you know what? I think ideally I want you to come and see me two to three times a week. You know, so you've got to get these clients to commit. So you have to be able to build rapport very quickly. You have to show them the need for you. I mean, they're there, so they know that they need you. However, when you start to put a price tag on things, there's oftentimes where people will start to negotiate. I'm like, you know what? You don't negotiate for that pair of shoes that you just bought. Like the price is the price. And, you know, and, and so it's like, I don't understand how some people feel like, you know, I, I can negotiate my price when, when I can't. I mean, unfortunately, the price is what it is. Um, however, the amount of sessions or something like that, um, you know, you're going to have to talk about, you know, maybe you don't come in quite as often, but you're going to have to commit on your own. So there is a lot of, you know, you've got to be able to strategize. Um, you've got to be able to talk and be realistic with people. Because, you know, if somebody comes in and says, you know what, I've got, you know, I've got a wedding and I want to lose 30 pounds, but the wedding is in, you know, five weeks. That's not realistic. It's not safe. It's not healthy. It's like, okay, why are you saying that? Is there a scale at the door? And if you can't, if you don't weigh a certain amount, you can't get in the door. Like, you know, you need to find out like pain points. So, so as a trainer, you have to understand that. And then once they commit to you, you 100% have to be focused and committed to that individual because they are paying premium money to spend time with you. And so just realize as a client, if you have a good trainer, they should 100% be focused on your movement pattern, your exercise selection. They, they should be professional at all times off of their phone. And it truly is about you. Right. Right. And, and, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent because you're they're paying for your time, or you're paying for their time. However, you want to say that, but <laughs> yeah, they're paying you for your time. Yeah, okay, that's what I meant. Um, so, when you know, in the beginning of this of this podcast, we talked about education, right? And we also mentioned continuing education. And um, to be a good personal trainer, again, you, you need to have the skill set, the knowledge, the know how, how to assess, program design, fundamentals, but a lot of trainers don't realize that when it comes to um, their, their skill sets, uh, sales, marketing, um, presentation, all of that stuff is a part of that. So uh, one of the things that trainers don't do enough is that they don't get enough um, sales training or presentation or, or uh, yeah, basically how do you put yourself out there? So I, I highly suggest to personal trainers that when it comes to becoming a personal trainer or building their business, that, that they get some, you know, some of the the uh, the soft skills as far as being professional, but also, you know, the the, the other parts of, of having some kind of style of presentation. For every person out there, um, there is a way of presenting. There's a certain side. You have those guys, you know, you kind of compare them to car salesmen, right? The the hard seller, the the guy that's like, we're no one, no one's walking out of here unless a contract is signed, right? <laughs> and those are the ones you just, you know, that, that will make that's one of those those personas that makes trainers um, scared of the aspect of sales. But as you said, Wendy, it's just you got to talk to people, you got to present to them how you're going to help them place value in your skill sets and and give them the faith that you know you're in it for them. 
right? You're you're there until the end and until they reach their goals, you're gonna do whatever you need to do. But um, you know, getting continuing education, not just on programming, program design, how to help people of that particular niche that you're trying to work with, but also how do you present, how do you sell, what is your what is your format and style of getting motivating people to to work with you? So um, with continuing education, one of the things I tell personal trainers to do is to get some sales training. Everybody, I mean, you're always selling concepts and ideas, right? When I talk to my 10-year-old daughter, it is a sales job. I need to convince her, you need to get to bed by eight o'clock. That's the sales job. You know, so you do it more often, you know, I want to have spaghetti for her. No, okay, you, you want to have grilled cheese and, you know, um, but I got to sell you on the fact that, hey, we're going to have spaghetti for dinner. That's that's more my son than anything else, but uh, I digress. So um, to be a personal trainer, you, you can't be a successful, gainfully employed personal trainer without getting clients. You can't get clients without having some kind of, of sales technique that fits you and your style and, and helps build relationship um, with, with the people that you want to work with. Yep. And for those of you guys, again, that's joining us, I'm Wendy Batts. I'm here with Ken Miller. We're talking about a day in the life of a personal trainer. And uh, two, two other points I want to hit on really quick, Ken, and I know that you 100% can agree. On top of the sales and on top of everything, when you're working with a client, you know, we have to leave all of our problems out the door. So you don't bring your problems in when you walk in that door. It is literally about the client, which we talked about. So if you're having a crummy day, then you're having a crummy day, but nobody else knows it. And sometimes that's difficult, especially when you're also people, you're listening to people's problems and you're just, you know, you're not there to, you know, to necessarily give them advice that's out of your scope of practice, but you're there to be, you know, to listen and try to get them to focus on what they're doing to hopefully turn their attitude or the negativity that they came in mm-hmm. with. You're turning that around into a positive experience. So that also, you know, can become very, you know, wearing on you, especially when you have a lot of clients throughout the day. Yeah. And, you know, but on a very positive note, you build friendships, they become your family if they're with you for a long time. So that is an amazing, amazing part about what we do. Um, but also too, think of this, we talk about show, tell, do. So in order for, to be a really good trainer, one of the one of the things that I think is very, um, very important is that you demonstrate an exercise. And usually you have to do anywhere from one to three repetitions. So the client has a true understanding of what you're looking for and how to perform it correctly to reduce the chances of compensation or injury. So you think about that, how many exercises you do in one program with one client And let's say you have you're busy and you have anywhere from six to 10 people a day every day. That is a lot of reps, a lot of sets. You're handing the weights, you're cleaning the weights, you're picking everything up. You're also picking up other people's stuff that maybe left some stuff out. So you have to be very energized. You have to be strong. You have to realize that you have to take care of yourself first, too. But. If you are not a trainer and you're listening to this because you want to know truly what is it in a day of a life of a trainer, you should sometimes give your trainer a pat on the back and say, you know what? I know a lot goes into what you do every day. And it makes me respect and like you even more because there is a lot, especially if you know that you have a really good trainer and you value what your your trainer is trying to do to help you. Right. And again, you mentioned it earlier. You have a lot of a lot of trainers that are out there now that changed careers. So they didn't necessarily come from an exercise 
based background or or were the most athletically inclined person out there. So a lot of trainers that we've we've had a chance to work with in our live workshops, this is the first time that they had to learn how to do these exercises, right? So for a Correctly. lot of yeah, for, yeah, for a lot of trainers that are out there now, they had to learn and actually be proficient at performing and now demonstrating exercises. So a lot of us, I mean, when I first learned, I, I had been training for 10 years or something already by the time I learned the NASM optimum performance training model. So for me to learn a shoulder combo or a single leg squat and to do these things um, properly, it took a while because I had my own compensations I was trying to work with. Um, so now to do it to a point where someone gets the idea and they can do it properly themselves. I mean, that's, that's a total reflection of you as the personal trainer. So, yeah, so not, not every personal trainer out there comes from a physical, physically based background to where they just woke up one morning and they can do a ball shoulder combo or a single leg squat. A lot of trainers had to work towards that. So that's, that's another great point when it comes to being, being a good personal trainer. Uh, you have to be in pretty, what I call demonstration shape. Right. Uh, <laughs> we have to be able to do two to three really yeah. good ones at the right pace and at the right yeah. time and all that. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I, I want to make sure that, you know, we're talking about ups and downs. We just want to be very realistic because people always talk about how awesome it is to be a trainer. And it really is. It is such an incredible career. And I, I yeah. wouldn't change it. I really wouldn't. It's just a lot of times when I talk about oh, I've got to be up at 3.30 in the morning because I've got to be work by 4.30 or 5 because I have to write a couple more programs because I fell asleep last night. I didn't yeah. get home until 8 o'clock and I was like having to do some stuff around the house. I needed to write some programs. And then, oh, yeah, now I have a family. So how am I going to do all this stuff? Um, yeah. You know, it really is. It really is realistic something that you want to think about. You've got to learn to be, you know, learn to say no. You have to take care of yourself first. You have to put priorities in place and stick to them. Again, I did not in the very beginning. I quickly had to change my ways. And um, and if you do all that, now you can, like I said, if you're not training and you just wanted to know, give give your trainer a pat or say, good job. <laughs> if you are a trainer yeah. and you're getting, you're new to it, just hang in there. Um, yep. It's rewarding. Yeah. Definitely. There, there, there are more pieces to the puzzle than people realize. And um, as a new personal trainer, yeah, you just have to explore and, and find a mentor, you know, someone to help kind of hold you by the hand a little bit till you, till you get there. If you, if you didn't understand what you were getting into before you took that certification exam. Um, but also as, as a client, you know, you, you should have high expectations of, of, of your personal trainer because to be a good professional personal trainer, um, there, there's a lot that should be you know, in their, in their, uh, in their, in their noggin up here as far as how they can help you. So, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it. So with that being said, Wendy, I had fun uh, as always. So thank you for having this discussion with me on the day in the life of a personal trainer. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, so everybody out there, thank you for spending your time with us. We really appreciate every opportunity we have to to be in front of you or to be in your earbuds as, as you listen to the Random Fit podcast. So if you like what you're listening to today, listen, like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. Download it, listen it, listen to it during your workouts or on your drive. But uh, we really appreciate you being here with us. So until next time, take care and be well.